It's that time. Your fix is here. College football is a year-round discussion with these two. Here's J.C. and Morgan. Mike Morgan of ESPN and J.C. Sherbert of 24-7 Sports have you covered. Beginning right now. Oh, it is another installment of J.C. and Morgan. It comes to you in the afternoon for the first time in a while. Uh, You can blame that one on me. My schedule got a little quirky here uh, the last few days, but we are still going strong. Episode number 221, the post-Turkey edition of J.C. and Morgan. It's late November, and I tell you what, late November in college football never disappoints on so many levels The chaos on the field, the chaos off the field, the storylines just continue to push through one after the other. Uh, And you almost wish you could like spread it out over the next few months equally instead of just coming at a barrage. Because as I I get get ready for this show every week, JC, I try to like come up with some thoughts. And I know you do as well in, in the JC5, which we'll get to. And I'm just like, I don't even know where to start. Like, there's so many different things from this past weekend and and then that what's still going on. And of course, coaching news is it's just a, it's part of the fabric of college football talk in late November now. I don't think it was like this to this degree 10 years ago, 20 years ago. Now it is just an, an utmost certainty that there's going to be coaches fired, coaches hired mega buyouts, mega rumors, false rumors, coaches, agents playing footsies with athletic directors and kind of okey-dokes, coaches thinking they're getting a job and then not getting offered the job and then getting shianoed in the case of Mark Stoops. Uh, there's just, This is like, it's insanity. And I'm here for it. I'm loving every minute of it. Keep it coming. Keep a crazy finish like Auburn, Alabama coming. Make make that mad stuff go on each and every year. Uh, Make the the committee have to sweat things out if Alabama beats Georgia on Saturday. Make some some programs really sweat over the coaching hires here. Make some other fan bases go through all the angst of knowing they're not making a coaching change, and damn it, they're pissed off because they did not have a really good year. About half the fan base in the SEC are just unhappy. They're just miserable, and they think they're the only program in college football that's going through some stuff. They, you're not. Like it's it's rampant. Uh, there's only so many teams that can win. And when I look at the SEC standings and I see like Missouri and Ole Miss with 10 wins, that means there's a lot of unhappy fan bases below that in the standings. Uh, then you got Ryan Day at Ohio State, who's like John Cooper 2.0 now, 40-0 against the Big Ten except for Michigan where he's one and three. How good is there? You got Lou Holtz. You got a 127-year-old man talking trash again at you. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Ah, with all that being said, we'll try to break it down as much as of, uh, much of it as we can. We're going to do two this week because we had a little time off for the holidays. We'll get as much stuff squeezed into this action-packed installment of J.C. and Morgan. We'll uh, go around the SEC. We'll talk about... Uh, the weekend that was nationally, we'll get to the JC5. And uh, we will talk about how we were on the verge of Armageddon. If a few of those games went slightly differently, as in a few more points for the other side, oh man, it could have been an absolute mess. And I would have 
been there for that as well. But with all that being said, JC, welcome. Hope you had a great holiday. Hope you're staying warm in Chi-Town. Absolutely. JC's got a um, new microphone that sounds better than ever, by the way. I it's unmuted so. now, and here he is. Yeah, it is unmuted. It's, it's cold here, and so my fingers are uh, – they didn't move <laughs> as quickly as I wanted them to there. But, yeah, absolutely, a lot of craziness. Uh, you know what's going to be interesting about – you mentioned the coaches, and I had a thought. This, this, this cycle is not going to be like the last – the cycle two years ago. Remember when we had Lincoln Riley moving on, Brian Kelly moving on, uh, a lot of big fish or a lot of big names, um, <clears throat> like going from power fives to power fives. I don't think that's going to happen this time. Uh, I really don't. And, I, I, you know, unless something major opens up that we're not anticipating, you know, maybe we could see, you know, something like that happen. But I – uh, and, and you know, there's always a surprise out there, but but I, I think you're going to see good, solid hires. And in a few years, I'm going to be interested to compare uh, how well a guy like Mike Elko or a guy like Jonathan Smith is doing in their job uh, versus Lincoln Riley and Brian Kelly and, and the big names that made all the moves a few years back. And I don't know how it'll turn out, mm-hmm. but I'm sitting there thinking, hmm, sometimes these under the radar hires where you don't have fans lined up to greet the plane <laughs> and like that woman kissed Saban when she landed in Tuscaloosa, he landed in Tuscaloosa that time. And you know, all this fanfare, sometimes, sometimes when you don't have that, uh, you, your AD ends up being able to hire a football coach. Now in the case of A&M, I hope that he didn't just skip over a guy that would have won championships there because his, whoever the fans were not fired up about it. Because Mark Stoops is a hell of a football coach, <laughs> you know, uh, and I think Elko's kind of out of that same cloth, to be honest with you. Does, he's a more with less guy. I think that's what A&M needed was a ball coach. Credit Ross Bjork for recognizing that during the search uh, and getting it. I mean, they need somebody that can coach, you know, they, they don't. And it's not that Jimbo Fisher couldn't, but Jimbo Fisher was kind of in a downward trajectory at FSU, you know, uh, even with the way Stoops ended this past regular season, I would still say he is doing quite well at Kentucky. Uh, and Mike Elko is winning at Duke. So guys like that, that's exactly who I think they should have looked for. Those two and the two coaches in the state of Kansas, <clears throat> it would not have gotten past those guys. Uh, so I think A&M made a hell of a hire. Uh, even though the Stoops thing, you know, you just kind of scratch your head and wonder what was what was the problem with, with Stoops other than he's at probably the second most difficult job in the conference – and winning. <laughs> I'll tell you what the problem was. The people on the Tex Ags message board said it wasn't a good hire. So therefore, you, as the, the Board of Regents has to pivot and and all of a sudden tell Ross Bjork, no, we can't do this because uh, eight gallon hat Aggie said that it would be a terrible hire on the message board. I mean, this has you and I started this this podcast the the year that, I mean, as I've said many times before, it could be a 30-for-30 on the Tennessee botch job that was hiring Shiano, and then all of a sudden uh, your fan base says, no, and a lot of people in the media said, no, that's terrible. Let a real football guy like Phil Fulmer make the hire. And then Phil came in after you fire the AD, 
Phil comes in and hires one of the worst, one of the worst SEC hires in the last 20 years and in more ways than one. I mean, he could have really gotten Tennessee in hot water. Uh, you know, thankfully, that, 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 that cloud has kind of cleared away, and the damage overall, I would say, is quite minimal. Um, that, and, and you remember at the time the analogy I would use, and I can't remember who was the hot supermodel at the time, but like I told Tennessee fans, stop trying to get Brooklyn Decker, and, and maybe, maybe you ought to just be really happy with Marissa Tomei. You know, like a, 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 a 40-year-old, still very attractive and very talented Marissa Tomei instead of the 25-year-old pinup SI model. That, remember that analogy I would use? That, that seemed to resonate with people. Um, I would almost say the same here. And, and you said this from day one. Don't overthink it. Just get yourself a ball coach, and you mentioned Elko. And obviously that's eventually what they did. Now – I can't tell you how many people I got new, uh, not arguments with, but people that just would not would not hear anything other than, oh, it's Lane Kiffin. It's going to be Lane Kiffin. Lane, they're going to get Lane Kiffin. I'm just like, no, they're not getting Lane Kiffin. Just stop it, stop it, stop it. You're going to be disappointed if you think you're going to get Lane Kiffin. You're not going to get Lane Kiffin. And Lane Kiffin was never – that was never in play, okay? Now, granted, I didn't think Mark Stoops would be in play, uh, but obviously he was, and again, I think, I think it's pretty obvious that that was pretty close to happening. Ooh, somebody told Mike a few weeks back to look out for Kentucky possibly opening. Day. You did, you did. Now it wasn't for A and M. I'll admit that I wasn't you, that big of a genius. You, you were talking Iowa. I think, and, uh, yeah, something like and, that. And I still don't think that Stoops would leave for Iowa. I, that that I. Yeah, I, I, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Look, if I hey, now you, you did you did float the name Urban Meyer out there too. Come on now, uh, uh, for A and M, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got, yeah. That, I got that text, I, dude. It's crazy Saturday because I'm watching ball all day, right? <laughs> I get that text from somebody who's pretty reliable, who's plugged in. Yeah, and uh, I was like, holy crap, that's gonna be it's uh, gonna be something else there if that happens. Then next thing you know, Mark Stoops was widely reported. Stoops is the guy. And I'm like, well, yeah. wow, that's crazy too. And then it's like, well, Stoops is not the guy. And then they hired the guy I thought they should hire to to, to begin with. So, <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I like, it is like a I said, crazy I mean, thing. I agree. I, I agree on that. I'm going to quit listening to Urban Meyer rumors. Yeah, stop listening to Urban Meyer rumors. And, and for for the God's sake to the rest of the American uh, media, stop listening to Lane Kiffin rumors. If I have ten dollars for every job that Lane Kiffin people are convinced or they've heard a report or this or that on Lane Kiffin. Lane Kiffin is just fine where he is for now. Uh, just, just leave it alone. They won. Ten, he's won ten games two out of three years in Oxford. You know what that means? That means he can walk on water. That means he's got so much equity in the bank with that program. He doesn't need the the BS of of another job. Quite frankly, like an A and M at this point. So just lay off the lay off that point. Yeah, they're about to cycle out of the West and and. Some years they may have a more favorable schedule to where they can get to Atlanta if he keeps it up. I mean, you know, it's just uh, all those Western programs that have beat their head against the wall for a few years. They're going to like this new, uh, this new one. You know, this new setup. I think. Oh heck! I don't yeah. think I don't think for the 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 schools in the East that are. I mean, everybody really outside of Georgia, I don't think it's positive for them. I, I think it's very positive for the schools in the West, though. No, no question, uh, including Ole Miss. Now, Lane Kiffin, everybody wants him. Because he's the closest thing to Spurrier since Spurrier. He's a great quote. He's kind of an everyman, frat boyish, 
what's he going to say next kind of guy. Uh, doesn't really care about his hair. And, and in a time where there's a lot of cookie cutters and not a lot of, you know, big personalities and, and RIP to Mike Leach, we lost one, you know, mm-hmm. a big one. Yeah. Uh, I, I think fan bases crave that uh, along with an exciting offense. I don't know that Lane would play as well if he was a defensive mastermind. Uh, totally <laughs> and he agree. was winning games 10 to 7. But he's, got, he's a great offensive play caller, and he's got this – just this personality to where you're you're watching the press conferences every day and you know what's he wearing what's he saying and he's a celebrity you know so of course everybody wants Lane Kiffin um and eventually he may he may take another swing at a at a big time type job but I'm with you I think he's happy right now uh, I think Lane Kiffin's a smart guy that's been through a lot and learned from it and guys that have learned lessons like that they don't jump back in the cauldron. Right, they're like a, they're like they're not the frog that's going to sit there jump in the water and let you turn up the heat. They're going to make sure that burner can't come on too quickly, <laughs> you know, before they do that. So I he could have uh, had Auburn, he could have yeah. had Miami, and there's probably a dozen other jobs he could have had. He chose not to. I, I just think, and again, the, here's the thing: like you can go five and seven at Ole Miss, have an off year. Let's say it happens next year. Let's say Jackson Dart goes down with an ACL, God forbid, uh, in week one, and there's holes all over the defense, as there's been known to be over time in Oxford. And, you know, the the portal is not kind of the Rebels or whatever. And they go five and seven. Uh, They're not going to be a person with half a brain in that fan base that says, fire Kiffin! But in a lot of other places, there would be, as insane as that sounds. So there's no question. Yeah, I don't think he's uh, going anywhere. Um, so I spent just one more thing on the Stoops thing. I, I spent, and maybe this will put all the other stuff we've been talking about in perspective. I spent a week in the Commonwealth. Uh, my wife is from Frankfurt. I had a Kentucky basketball game to call Friday night. Oh, by the way, that is the best Cal team in quite some time. Um, they're going to be real excited about that squad, and they don't even have any other seven-footers in, but it, it's the best-looking team I've seen since De'Aaron Fox and Malik Monk. But we'll talk basketball at another time. Uh, and so I'm with I'm, – I'm surrounded by Kentucky in-laws Thanksgiving Day and around that time. So I hear it all. And and there's always a couple in there, ah, Stoops, I don't know. And they're talking, ah, I like the, I like the coach over at Troy. You know, go ahead, well, let him go. He's moving. This is before the A&M rumors started. This was, but this is Thanksgiving Day. We didn't start hearing about Stoops until Pete Thamel, in the middle of college game day on ESPN, he just kind of dropped it like, <laughs> like what? Usually he's talking about yeah, the uh, Western Michigan quarterback is out today. Uh, he's got uh, mono, and also there's uh, talk that uh, the assistant coach at Texas San Antonio is going to take a coordinator. It's not always like groundbreaking stuff on game day, but it's still news people care about, particularly the gamblers. And so you, you listen, and also he's like, uh, by the way, uh, yeah, Texas A&M looks like they're focused. Uh, the, the search is now completely zeroed in on Mark Stoops, and we'll know more later today. Wait, what? What? <laughs> um, that blindsided a whole lot of folks. But where I was going with that is that Stoops is like a lot of coaches, and I've gotten to, to know these guys now because I, I I sit in meeting rooms with them and I talk to them when there's not a microphone out there. And 
you, you get a lot more information and you really get to know how coaches in this day and age say what you want about all the money out there. I get it. They get a lot of money and they get a lot of money when they're fired. But it's never been harder to be a big time college football coach than it is today. And there's a lot of, you know what, the hell with you. Uh, it started with the, the Dabo Sweeney call-in show, right? Tyler from Spartanburg. And I said it then about Dabo, uh, and I'll say it about other coaches. There's a lot of, who the hell were you before I got here? Do you remember why this job was open? Do you remember why the Clemson job was open? Do you remember how bad Kentucky was under Joker Phillips? There was nothing funny about the Joker Phillips era. It was it was dastardly bad. It was so god-awful. Uh, they didn't look like a Division One team. And Kentucky football, for the most part, has not been great. It's not because of the lack of passion by that fan base. They care just as much about football as you do. Yes, I'm talking to you, Georgia fans, Florida fans, Tennessee fans. South Carolina fans, A&M fans, they love college football. Just because they're good at basketball doesn't mean they don't know or understand or love college football. But they, you start to take for granted a little bit. Like Stoops has two 10-win seasons, and the offense is, is sometimes kind of dry. It's not real fun to watch. And all of a sudden, you look up, and now it's back-to-back disappointing years in Lexington, even though they just beat their in-state rival with a top-10 ranking on the road. Not a bad thing. That's, uh, they, a, that's a good one. That's a, good that's a pretty good one. Yeah, well, by the way, they've beaten Louisville five straight times. Um, there are not a whole lot of Kentucky football coaches that can claim that. So, But, but there's, there's just this, eh, you know, maybe, maybe we've gone as far as we can go with Mark. I mean, I actually heard some of that, and some of that exists. And, again, that's just the nature. They take the high-water mark fan bases do. You've heard me say this if you listen to this show. Uh, call it a Morganism. There's the path of least resistance, there's volcano programs, and there's the high watermark theory that some fans have, which is, well, we did it a few years ago, so that's what we should do every year, and then some. And that's not reality. It's not reality. So uh, there was a little bit of Kentucky fans, and then all of a sudden, it's like the girl you're dating, and you're really not sure if you want to get serious with her, and then all of a sudden... You realize, like, the guy down the street would just kill to be with her, and you're like, oh, well, maybe I should like this girl more. (laughs) Well, that's kind of like what fan bases are like. All of a sudden, your coach is courted by somebody else, like a, a, you know, for all intents and purposes, minus the wins, a heavyweight, an A&M, and it's like, oh, maybe we do have a really good coach here. You do. And that would have been a great hire. Uh, And I I like Elko, too. I, I think they're both cut from the same cloth. The only difference, of course, is you've seen Stoops build Kentucky. Uh, Elko has built something at Duke, but I don't think it's it, – you don't have the, the track record that Stoops does as a head coach. So it's a little more of a gamble, uh, but I get it. He's been there. Uh, I have no criticism of the hire whatsoever, but the way this went down, people have long memories. Kentucky fans are not going to forget this. Uh, Mike Elko's not going to forget this. A&M fans are not going to forget this. The two names will be linked from now mm-hmm. until 10 years from now, whatever the case may be. So I find that fascinating. I, I find that all fascinating. And uh, that, and of course, the other one that had, this is funny, JC. I don't think anybody disagrees with this hire. Uh, when you talk about Mississippi State, and, and when you talk about Levy, when you talk about, you know, what he's done and and 
kind of what Mississippi State is, and it just seems like it makes sense. Like, I can't find a, a single person that's saying, oh, Mississippi State should have gotten or they could have gotten. They all seem to agree, like, Jeff Levy is the right guy for the for the job. I get it. I mean, because, you know, you Zach Arnett's decision to change the offense this year was a big deal because you spend three or four years building toward that style. Uh, and, of course, they did lose some guys to the portal and Do all that. Do you know that. who was there on staff? I don't mean to interrupt you. Do you know who, who – some guy named Spurrier Jr. was already in Starkville. He, he, he could have just picked up that offense and kept running it. I have my own thoughts about that. And <laughs> you know, he, called, he called the bowl game. They did win. I mean, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, I, I could see that. Uh, I'm just – and I'm not saying they should have hired him. What I'm saying is if you're Zach Arnett and you get that job – under the circumstances that you did, why you wouldn't what, just keep just keep the thing moving? Yeah. Don't do a one eighty. That's what I'm saying. I'm not, not saying I should have hired year him. one. Not in year one. No, I mean, especially with the way they played offense at times this year. I mean, it was just uh, you know maybe if you want to slowly because I mean you spent all that time like okay you take over for Dan Mullen you want to run that kind of offense uh, and Joe I guess Joe Moorhead was technically between the forgettable Joe Moorhead era was technically between Mullen and Leach but you do that and and you know hey Mullen's offense is different it's it's got a lot of power running it's got you know big offensive linemen you know they run downhill at you they run the quarterback it's a lot like what they do at App State uh, a lot philosophically not necessarily schematically um you know, I, I guess that would be fine, but you know, you go from a Mike Leach spread. There's no tight ends on the roster, you know, and you try to run this. I mean, that that was going to be not that was not going to be a positive. Um, you know, no matter how, I, mean, I, I don't think the OC hired from App State was bad. I mean, I think he's a pretty good coordinator. It's just you're trying to fit a square peg in a round hole in what essentially ended up being an interim situation. And so yeah. if you wanted the job, you needed to win if you were Arnett. Uh, Lebby gets them back to spread. He's a Art Brow's son-in-law. Uh, he, he'll chunk it all over the yard and run fast. They're going to be a lot like Tennessee on offense. Um, and if that's what Mississippi State wants to do, more power to them. Here's my question. <laughs> Leach was a stark departure for what they've normally done in Starkville, which is, you know, think about their personnel yearly, Mike. For, for as long as I can remember, what does Mississippi State have? They're usually huge up front on offense. Yeah, big line. They're usually huge on defense up front. They usually have a great running back. They usually have a dual-threat quarterback. Receivers, there's been some good ones here and there. Not necessarily a parade of those, but you, you find a lot in the state of Mississippi, though, at receiver. I, I'll give you that. Quarterback position. I, I that's that's going to be the key, you know, to, to they don't run get that many style. great ones. Minus you know, Dak Prescott. Yeah, it's it, you're usually looking at a dual threat guy that can kind of run more than he can throw, kind of like what Mullen used uh, a lot of times. So, you know, that would be my only question there. They were lucky to have Will Rogers there as a freshman because because Will Rogers is an excellent fit for what Leach does. He's a Leach style quarterback, but. Um, just like he's like Gardner Minshew and the rest of those guys, but um, so we'll see what happens. That that would be my only question about it. Uh, I think Levy was due for a um, a job. I think that you know the, the OD there, the OD, the AD there was at OU and got was familiar with Jeff. Um, it's good to see him get get it. You know, we'll see 
who knows? Maybe he brings Kendall Browse with him, his brother-in-law, to be the OC or something. But uh, uh, it'll be an interesting thing to see kind of how they evolve next year and how hard they are to defend and all that. I will say this on the quarterbacks, though, because I just gave kind of a, a brief history there. It may not matter nowadays because you can go in the portal and get somebody's backup that's really good that would love to come play in a system like that and put up numbers. So so it may not matter. Just like at, at Tennessee, what Heupel did, he got his first two quarterbacks at Tennessee, both were from the portal, Hooker and, and Milton. So it may not matter uh, this day and age in terms of what you can do with that position through the transfer portal. Yeah, it might not. I mean, although the, is Mississippi State quote-unquote sexy enough to land some of those guys when there are other programs also coveting you in the portal like a Tennessee that might have a greater track record of producing great quarterbacks. You know, that that would be the only uh, thing that I'd be, I guess, kind of concerned about. But I, look, I think the higher – it makes sense. You, you had to go back in that direction, um, and, and they got a guy who's already been successful as an OC in Ole Miss, um, did good work at Oklahoma in a short amount of time and was kind of destined to be a head coach. Those are not the only ones. I mean, you've got Indiana fires Tom Allen after a a four-point loss to Purdue. They go 9-26 and the last three years. That's the second worst in Power 5. I'm guessing without looking, Vanderbilt is number one in that category or number 130, depending on how you look at it. Um, He takes a reduced buyout of $15.5 million. Fired Indiana coach, football coaches are now getting $15.5 million. Um, beautiful. He, this was a beautiful story in 2020 when he went 6-2 and two and beat Penn State. But, oh, how quickly things just kind of fell off a cliff. I, I'm convinced he, Indiana football is one of the most difficult jobs in Power 5. He could have had a job, too, after that year. There were a lot of openings and a lot of schools that were interested in him. And yeah. he, he, didn't, he didn't jump. and Stock was hot. Yep. But, you know, his coordinators there were at, at one point he had Kalen DeBoer as his OC and uh, Kane Walmack, the head coach at South Alabama, as his DC. Two, those are pretty two stellar coordinators. So, yeah. <laughs> lost those guys, lost his mojo a little. But I still think Tom Allen's a good football coach. And I think he's an O line guy. So they're, they're always in demand. He'll end up somewhere in the SEC coaching his butt off again. Maybe, maybe who knows? Maybe he'll reunite with Freeze one day back at Auburn. Dana Holgerson gets canned at Houston. They go four and eight. Two years ago in the AAC, they were twelve and two. Twelve and two. Uh he's got a twenty million dollar buyout. No, he's got a fifteen million dollar buyout. He goes thirty one and twenty eight in five years. Um, you know, when they moved to the Big Twelve, this had all the makings of Okay, you got twenty more million dollars of income based on the TV package. I had him like was one of his first years there on the job, and first off, he was so excited because he couldn't wait to get out of West Virginia. Couldn't wait. Remember when he when he did that? That was historic. He left a now he might have been fired a year or two later anyway, but he wasn't he wasn't they weren't going to fire him right then. He left a Power Five job to take a job in the American. That just doesn't happen. He did it. Uh, but as you know, J.C., as well as anybody, the recruiting in, in Houston alone is insanely rich. And he kind of intimated to me, even back then, he thought that everybody was telling him, Big 12, Big 12, Big 12. Well, it happened. But with that, 
the the wins might be a little harder to come by as well. They certainly were this year. So he gets fired. Houston, to me, is the ultimate enigma. I've done several games there going back to when they were in Conference USA and they were lighting it up under Kevin Sumlin and they had the most talented team in that league by far every year, it seemed. Uh, what you don't know until you go there, which what I didn't know, you know I know, but I, I had no idea because I would always ask people like Andre Ware and other like, why are they not in the Big 12? Um when you go to a game at Houston, when you go to that campus, you realize it is a commuter school. And they, they're never going to get like 80,000 fans for football. I think the new stadium seats, I don't know, not close to that. It, it ju- it's not the same, it's the same footprint, but it's not the same DNA of Texas and Texas A&M and uh, even a TCU. It's, it's just different. So the job on the surface seems like it'd be an Awesome job, but I'm not so sure that uh, that that job is still very challenging uh, from from some standpoints. Would you agree with that? I would agree. I, I think, um, gosh, we had a talk on ITG today about which job was Duke or Houston the better job, and I definitely mm, think Houston. it's Houston. I mean, I, I think Duke has a lot of challenges. I think if you compared the campuses alone, Duke's definitely got an advantage campus-wise, right? Because it's it's a beautiful, nice college campus in Houston's. Well, you, you can fly over the University of Houston. Uh, University of Houston going into, uh, I think it's it's not Bush, it's Hobby. You fly into Houston Hobby, you go right over University of Houston. You go over Rice, too, which is a little bit different situation there as well. But uh, uh, so, so there's that. But then there's also, it, it gets... They get more support though, Mike. They they have more money than maybe your. They, they don't have SMU money, but they they've got some people with deep pockets to support athletics there. They are very they're a national powerhouse in basketball again. Uh, you know, for, forty years after Phi Slamma Jamma, the Cougs are back under Kelvin Sampson. Um, I you know they've had moments of greatness and, and in the Big Twelve, like you think, well, who who are not who are the powers? for the new big 12. Well, I mean, we can name seven, eight schools with potential, but who are the powers? I who think it's wide team? open. Utah. Maybe you would put, I'd say maybe Utah and maybe, uh, maybe Oklahoma state as far as TCU, Kansas state. I mean, it, it's pretty much wide open. So it's like a shotgun start, you know, fire the gun and let's go and see who wins the race. And, you know, I think that's probably the thought, the downside of that job is they're not patient with coaches there at all. <laughs> Ask Major Apple White and Tony Levine or Levine. <laughs> Those guys were like two and done. I mean, they they yeah. don't. You better win. Um, you know, so so you know, Houston to me uh, is like a better version of Cincinnati in, in that you know it's it is a commuter school. Uh, it's similar to UCF in that regard. Although UCF student body is getting so big, they do have a. They almost have a like a brand new on campus group there now, and they sell out their stadium. Um, you know, maybe you know it's it's better than like a Charlotte, which every coach in the country says is a great job, but it's a commuter school, so you know you don't have an, an endemic fan base there. You know, and then that could be a problem. But people love the location, so we'll see how that goes. I I, I think it's a good job, uh, not a great one. And Phil has a good point here. TD ECU Stadium where the Cougs play. Forty thousand with the foundations to expand to sixty if they need it. 
Okay. No, yeah, that's I thought... no, Astrodome was about what fifty nine when he used to play. <laughs> In front of long seats, yeah. Yeah, I mean they forty expandable to sixty. I, I think they they'd be happy if they could just consistently get fifty to, to oh. go to Houston games. But it's I, I mean look, UCF is a commuter school too. But eventually with their success that those fans caught on they play in a smaller stadium. But they yeah. pack it. It's about forty, but man, that but they their campus now, it is a community. They have sixty five thousand students. Oh yeah, and it's, and it's so the largest they, enrollment of any school in Florida. There's a small percentage that are on campus, but that the percentage wise, it's still significant. I mean, the kids go and and it's and it's UCF's a different level campus though. I mean, it, whereas Houston's location within the city, it's probably not the best location. <laughs> Pardon uh, me, can you, I have ex- directions back to the expressway? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you see, <laughs> hey, something about your mama. Uh, to quote vacation there, but uh, it's um, UCF is in a is in a really nice part of town outside of Orlando, and they've got room to expand. I mean, it's it's really nice. So, uh, gonna be interesting. Gonna be interesting. To yeah. See, um, by the way, J- J- uh, you referenced Mad Dog. That's Phil Molinax, our fine yep. producer behind the scenes. Jay Diz on Chat Row for those listening live. So, whatever happened to Tom Herman? That dude fell off the face of the earth. Yeah, he did. I mean, that was the that was one of a few of those can't miss candidates that absolutely missed. And it seems like there's been more and more of those. Which, again, if you're an AD and you're the board of regents and you're the search firms, uh, Tom Herman. Tom Herman ought to be like example one of it's if it's too good to be true, it it just might be the so-called can't miss candidate. Uh, Tom's at FAU, by the way, right now, uh, coaching at another commuter school at uh, in the main streets of Boca Raton. Uh, one other thing I thought was that int- I missed that I get all the fired coaches here before we get into the actual games. I got one in the JC five. We'll talk about. Okay. I, I just wanted to mention this. We haven't talked much Deion Sanders on this show, not for oh. any reason or another, like in week one, uh, praised him. And I've said all along that, uh, I wanted it to happen. I wanted Dion to get a job because I, I just root for the good story. Uh, and Dion to Colorado makes for a good story. At least it did for about a month. Since then, it's been almost just completely off the radar. The the bandwagon Dion fans, they just kind of went back in hiding. There's this narrative out there that if you don't love and slurp Dion Sanders as being a quote-unquote revolutionary coach, which, which was the kind of lingo that was being spewed by a lot of people in my profession— <laughs> Um, uh, that 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 somehow you hate Dion? No, there. Just because you say somebody doesn't agree with you hates Dion doesn't actually make it so. Just because you say Dion is revolutionizing coaching in college football, which is asinine statement, doesn't make it so. Just because you want Dion to be an exceptional college football coach that is going to change the change the landscape of how future colleges hire college football coaches, just because you want it so badly, doesn't make it so. He's, he finished four and eight, dead last in the conference, the exact conference record that they had a year ago under the previous coach in Carl Durrell. Does that mean Deion Sanders is going to be a bust? I'm not saying that at all. I think he's going to get players in the portal and things are going to happen. To say that it wasn't obvious he made mistakes this year, then you weren't paying attention. 
you you weren't you weren't following it. Yeah, you know, it it's it's great to have rappers on the sideline. That's 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 fantastic, man. I like rap. Did I tell you, JC, I like some rap music now. Um, but if I'm a fan of a particular program, I I don't know if I need that exactly. It doesn't really help much of anything. It certainly didn't pay off many. I mean, you you struggled to beat Colorado State in double overtime after you went on a diatribe how you were dissed by the Colorado State football coach. It's Colorado State, <laughs> okay? And it's since that win, Colorado just went in a downward spiral, went 4-8. and eight. Let me tell you some coaches that did do some really good stuff that didn't get a fraction of the attention of Dion. How about David Braun of Northwestern? He inherited an absolute debacle mess from Coach Fitzgerald in a, in the middle of a, uh, a an absolute scandal, right? They go from one and eleven to seven and five as with he's the interim coach. And I'll give you one other one at USF. That's South Florida. Alex Golish, born in Moscow, by the way, went six and six after going one and eleven last year under Jeff Scott. Those are the guys that had the biggest impact on a particular program in 2023. What happens in 2024, I have no idea. Again, love the story of Prime. Love it. But too many people I hear, again, in this profession and on TV or sitting there and going on social media and say, if, you don't, if you're not pulling for Dion, you hate Dion. No, I save my hatred for much more important things than Deion Sanders. I, don't, I don't, never hated Dion. Never loved him. Not going to walk around a sports bar in a Dion jersey. But I think he's entertaining. Do I think he's a great coach? I haven't seen it yet. Maybe he turns out to be one. It's a great story, and I'll leave it at that. But uh, the D, so if somebody's thinking, how come they haven't talked to any Colorado football in the last couple of months? It's because there's been nothing to talk about. They go out there and they yeah. get smoked every week. Speak for yourself on the jersey, man. You got a Dion jersey? As a Falcons and Braves fan <laughs> growing up. I mean, dude, the, the, the guy hit a home run and scored a touchdown out of the same day. Freakish athlete. Dude, Freakish yeah, athlete. I, I, no I, doubt about I, it. Until he went to – where did he go first, the Niners or the or the Cowboys? Well, he, he went he wherever, went, wherever the – Wherever the getting was good, uh, yeah, he went to he the went Niners. Niners first, then the Cowboys. On a, on a loaded team, and then he went to Dallas, which was already loaded, which I'm convinced was going to win another title in 95 without Dion. but they got Dion and they, he helped him win another title. So, yes, yeah, he's got I, I, a couple I, of rings. I didn't like that. But, uh, you know, anyway, no, I'm, I'm kidding about the jersey. Yeah, I mean, look, he's just like every other coach. You have to – you have to get your team up when you have to keep your team up when they're up, and you gotta you gotta pick them back up when they're down. And I think he handled the being down part of it worse than just about anybody could imagine. You know, you blow the game against Stanford, you got your kids selling gear at halftime of that one. <laughs> Maybe you clamp down on it a little bit. Yeah, when your kids but, selling merch at the half, and then you blow a lead, not a good look. When you then, when you demote the best coach you have, your offensive coordinator, Sean Lewis, who because was, you're was upset. The, because you're upset. He's the one that drew up all those plays that beat TCU in Nebraska. Well, you're trying to figure out what the what the name of your starting center is. Yeah. That's you know, probably not the best the Brewster left today, uh yeah, veteran I coach and a, and a, yeah, a good up. recruiter. So oh, I, mean, I love again. Brewster. Yeah, Brewster's my guy. I mean, you know, yeah. So it, it's gonna things like that, and I, and I praised his staff. You know, I said, well, well, here's the thing: he's done. He's hired a good staff. 
but you have to hire good staff. And then there's an and dot, 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 let them coach. Right. And you don't pull the fire alarm unless there's an actual fire. And there wasn't. Yes, they were bad up front. So are a lot of other teams with really good offensive coordinators. <laughs> you know, it's not like they were getting shut out, man. You know, so I, I don't know what's going to happen uh, out there at Colorado. I'm sure there'll be a factor in, in in the portal and recruiting and all that this year. And he'll continue to get more and more talent. I think going into the new Big 12, we'll see. Just like I said, everybody's kind of starting over with that new league. There's so many programs with potential, including Colorado, that anybody could become the big dog. You know, there's no – unlike the haves and have-nots in every other league, yeah. there's really a, just a bunch of maybes. It could be like the ACC Coastal was a couple of years ago where you had five different champions in five years. That could be the Big 12 as a whole. Five champs in five years. Yeah. And you're not getting that in the Big 10 with Ohio State, Michigan. You're not getting that in the SEC with Georgia, Alabama. You're not getting that in the ACC with Florida State. And we'll see if Clemson has a bounce back next year. You're only getting that in the Big 12. So that's my selling point. If I'm if I'm uh, Bowlesby there, uh, I, I'm selling, hey, truly, we are the land of opportunity. Anything yeah. can happen. Most unpredictable league in college football. And you go through it team by team, Mike, and every one of them, there's, there's arguments for and against. Every single one of them. Even the Eastern, like, like West Virginia and, and UCF, you know, uh, West Virginia is – like if you if you did the history of all the programs in that league, West Virginia is the winningest program of all time in the Big Twelve now. They're like nineteenth all, all time wins. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. You know, and, and you've, Arizona schools have always been full of potential. Utah has been really good for about a decade. You know, I mean, it, you know, all that good stuff. So um, LSU Tigers, Ladonna Miles Dixon says, that's good to have. Usually there's Gamecocks in this chat box, but there's some other. There's a Clemson fan here. There's well, for, Vol, yeah, for Vol Steak. Hey, I like it. I like the diversity. For those that don't know, I mean, we've been doing this now since 2016, but we just started doing it live, and we just started doing it on video. So, like, 90 something percent of you listen to this not live. So we understand the people that are watching and listening right now. Um, you're our very special chosen minority. The rest of you will catch on to it later. We, we, no matter what your format is, whether it's Spotify, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, we're, we, we love you we all love equally. It. But, yeah, we do like the diversity of fans. We, we, we've got people all over. We, we hear from them in the mailbox. In fact, we'll, mm -hmm. in fact, we'll get to a couple of those uh, later on. I know we're way over time for a break, but we got to just mention the two biggest games of the weekend, um, Ohio State-Michigan. And I and I'll go Iron Bowl for the second one. We could argue, you know, there, there's all, there's so many on rivalry rivalry week. There's so many games to talk about, uh, and we'll get to some others in the JC five. Ohio State Michigan. Just your thoughts on the game uh, overall. I'm sure you had a chance to watch a good amount of it. I watched every play. Uh, that was our our brunch post. <laughs> my name and Nats. Uh, we, we we posted up and had a little brunch and watched that one with. Uh, some Big Ten fans, and, um, you know, I think <laughs> you I sound upset. Are you, are you okay? I, I took Ohio State. Okay. Well, don't, um, don't feel bad. I, I took them to cover what I thought would be three and a half. 
And, I'd and now sac- I think I'm an idiot for doing it because I've been telling everybody how good Michigan is all year long, and then I, I, I wimped out during our pick segment. I, I and look, there's some there's some weird there's some bad calls in the game, but I'm not I'm not I'm not going to sit here and use that as an excuse for the Buckeyes. They, you know, it's kind of like the kid said afterwards for Michigan. He's like, a lot of these kids for Ohio State, they're stars, superstars. They know it. You know, they have all the Instagram videos and uh, you know super celebrity status and, and the gloves and, and all that. And he's like, but we just go out here and ball. And he's like, that doesn't mean they're physical. He's like, just me, like myself. This dude has like a neck tat. I don't know who he even is. Uh, I, I, I know his name if I saw it. But he's just like, we just go out there and, uh, you know, and just ball and play physical. And that's that's literally what they do. And I'm tired of underestimating Michigan. I um, I think Michigan's probably been the best team in the country. I think a lot of us that have a background in recruiting probably – subconsciously because I fight against this myself I hate to admit it because it's like well that's a team full of three stars and and the low fours <laughs> you know it's not supposed to happen where are all the studs that, that play for Alabama and Ohio State and Georgia not they're not at Michigan that's just a damn good football team and well, how many was how many stars was JJ McCarthy JJ was a five okay I think or a low four high four he was a five as a junior when he left. But he left. He left Illinois during the pandemic here and went to Florida. Went to IMG. I think he stayed a five, probably about a low five. There were quarterbacks ranked ahead of him, you know. And it took him a while to get as good as he is, but he's really good, right? I mean, they're really good, and they don't. And they're tough to beat too. They're, they're uh, at the same time. I, I am. I'm a little disappointed in Ohio State that. You know, they, they just didn't seem to really attack. They they were not the more physical team. They had good physical moments. They did play better defense than they did have the last few years. They get pushed around. But, you know, it, it's just a – it's a tough loss uh, for those guys. But, uh, yeah, I was I was a little upset about that because I kind of – yeah, I mean, I'm upset at myself for doubting Michigan the whole year. Uh, and then the, the Iron Bowl – don't worry about Auburn fans. You've already probably flushed that loss to New Mexico State. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. By the way, Roman Wilson is the guy you were thinking of. He had the, yeah. the, the great quote. Like, I saw guys wearing Louis Vuitton cleats and yeah. all this stuff, but we, we just go out there and ball. And I don't know how many stars he was, but, uh, I mean, he's, he's born in Honolulu. He's not a, an overly big wideout, um, but I'm guessing he was not a five star kid either. To your to your point, uh, they, they, in other words, if this was based purely on stars, advantage Ohio State, right? Like Ohio State's got more. If if I'm just going by the recruiting rankings, and you know a hundred times more about it than I do, uh, it seems like Ohio State would have the edge there, but <laughs> hasn't panned out that way three years on the field. Now, Roman Williams is 2020 class. The top two receivers in that class both signed with Ohio. Three of the top five signed with Ohio State. Julian yeah. Fleming, Jackson Smith, Najiba, or however you say it, and then G. Scott Jr. all went to Ohio State. Old Roman Wilson, number 38 receiver in the class. Yeah, that's what, I mean, that's what I'm saying. And by the way, Fleming's a Pennsylvania kid. Cole Kubrick and I called his game against Hammond, which had Jordan Birch and all those – uh, South Carolina studs that one year, 
And, yeah. and and he's like the third best wideout on the on the team. Harrison's going to be a top five pick. Like they, they just Ohio State had the talent to to win that game the last three years, but they haven't. Yeah. And yeah. that's why Ryan Day is on the proverbial hot seat, despite the fact he's forty and zero against everybody not named Michigan in that conference. Check this: there were one, two, three, four, five dudes that signed with Auburn in this class, rated ahead of Roman Wilson at receiver. <laughs> I don't know where any of those guys are now. I don't know either, but all I know is nobody can cover Roman Jeffrey Wilson. Yeah, Roman. Well, yeah, Roman Wilson was number three in the whole state of Hawaii. Now, he was a four star. He was a ninety-two ish four star. St. Louis High School in Hawaii. That's where yeah, they that, got him. That's from. a talent producing place. It's not. I don't think that's where Marcus Mariota went. Um, I think he went someplace else. But uh, yeah, I mean, the number. <laughs> 38 overall, man, in um, in the uh, 2020 class. It's just not bad. Goodness gracious. And you know, Corum's an undersized running back. Um, but this is this is Jim Harbaugh. With all due respect to the interim coach, I mean, what he has instilled there, it's cultural, right? Like, and and there's no question they've used what 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 is in in their opinion they feel like they've been railroaded, right? Their head coach was railroaded. Uh, and, and it, it's almost like, it's like the Tom Brady year after deflate gate or no, after the first scandal, the, uh, the spy gate and he and Randy Moss just went out there and went 16 and zero in the regular season and set every passing and receiving record in the history of the national football league. Just to remind you, they didn't need to cheat to be really good on offense. Well, that's kind of what Michigan's doing right now. It's like okay, you you really you really want to think that that old Connor Stallions and his uh, terrific you know video crew uh, ring consisting of Harry Reams and Peter North and all those guys uh, setting up their sting operation to get great film and and video, but that, that that's the reason why Michigan and Harbaugh keep winning games. They're reminding you it's it's a little more than that. It's it's a little more than that. I uh, the game itself. I mean, it was truly like a, it was a, a true field position type battle. Because if you look at it statistically, it really wasn't that uneven. Uh, you know, the, the the rushing yards. I think Michigan had an edge of about fifty. You know, passing yards. It wasn't a huge differential there. Now Ohio State turned it over twice. Michigan Michigan turned it over zero. And again, that's the way they've been playing ball. For the last few years, so congratulations to Michigan and for Ryan Day, who I think has like a sixty million dollar buyout. Um, it's just insane. Uh, what are you going to do? You can't fire him. I mean, you you just you can't if you're Ohio State. You're pissed. I get it. You want your pound of flesh. That's a new category. I'm going to start JC when we do this show and ITG. There's going to fans are going to have. It's a pound of flesh loss. Well, you're so angry and you're so mad and you're so irrational that all you can think of that you want to do is just fire people and blow blow crap up. But none of that really is necessarily the smart thing to do. But it doesn't matter. You want your pound of flesh. You're pissed off, damn it. We just lost to Michigan three years in a row. We're Ohio State. We're recruiting better than anybody in the Big Ten, at least, <clears throat> if not the country. Why in the hell are we losing this game? I want this person fired. I want that person fired. I don't think you can fire Ryan Day, but anyway, that was that. And the Iron Bowl here, you you were mad at your pick on that. I was mad at my pick on this because the whole time I've been saying this is one of the few rivalries 
where it's not just cliche to say you can throw the records out because this does this has a track record of weird crap happening in this game, particularly at Jordan Hare Stadium. So the fact that they were a 14 and a half point dog, you should have taken those points with a big smile on your face because this is the kind of stuff that can always happen in this game. Unlike most other rivalries where, quite frankly, they're predictable. The better team wins. There's not huge upsets. You look across the board, like the whole, all those cliches really don't come into play much. Typically, the better, t- especially when one team is really up, Alabama, and another team is really down, Auburn, yeah, that's not supposed to work out that way. That shouldn't have been a game. If you are Auburn, how you lost that game is something for the ages. It's just something for the ages. Uh, I feel you. I have a lot of Auburn friends, alums. Uh, I, that is that doesn't wear off in in a few months. That one's going to sting for a a long, long time. All right, we got to get a timeout. We're way overboard. We've been uh, chomping at the bit to get to this. The JC Five is coming up next here on JC and Morgan. Down here in the South, we don't always see eye to eye. While our taste in college football teams, or what sauce, if any, goes best on a rack of ribs, or what to mix with our Dixie vodka might be up for debate, we can all agree there's nothing better than a Southern tailgate. And like our favorite college teams, our ingredients come from small towns and big cities. They're grown in Southern soil, are crafted by Southern hands, and proudly represent the South in our backyard and beyond. So raise a glass of Dixie Southern Vodka to celebrate being made in America and raised in the South. Hey, folks, want to tell you about our friends at Titan Construction Group really quick. They're a mid-Atlantic-based general contractor, specializes in retail, restaurant, and office construction. TCG strives to separate itself from other general contractors by adding value every step of the process. From project budgeting to estimation, value engineering to construction, they focus on those relationships and not the transaction. Titan builds partnerships one project at a time. Among their clients are Starbucks, Crumble Cookie, uh, Blake Pizza, Home Goods, 15 plus years experience based in Midlothian, Virginia, and contracted in Virginia, West Virginia, North Carolina, and South Carolina. So get on their website, TitanCGInc.com. That's TitanCGInc.com. Get in touch with Brad if you're in need of a general contractor that focuses on going above and beyond for their clients. That's Titan Construction Group, a proud sponsor of the JC and Morgan podcast. South Carolinians, this message is for you, as well as for people in Georgia, Florida, and Tennessee. If you think you may need work done to your roof or a new roof altogether, there's one simple name to remember, Elite Roofing and Restoration. South Carolina native Jeremy Johnson has been helping people in the South make sure they have the very best people checking on and building new roofs for over 25 years. Fully licensed, bonded, and insured, they provide the best service possible. Call or email today, 678-781-1998. That's 678-781-1998, or you can go to EliteRoofing.com. GA.com. Schedule a no-hassle free inspection today. Wind damage, hail damage, 
or just wear and tear. Don't settle for second best. Let Jeremy Johnson and Elite Roofing and Restoration take care of it all for you today. Hey, this is Mike Morgan, and like many of you, I love staying active. It makes me feel better. It helps me enjoy a better life. But whether you're a world-class athlete or someone just keeping the dream alive like me, you'll want to make sure you have someone who can handle the injuries that are going to arise. That's where the world-renowned Dr. Michael Hatrack of Synergy Sports Wellness and Synergy Release Sports come into play. He's been my guy for nearly a decade, and he has served thousands of people, including over 400 NFL players, over a career that spans 47 years. Yeah, he's that good. And his staff's personalized biomechanical treatments and therapies can handle it all. Back pain, knee pain, shoulder pain. We all know the injuries, but few know the solutions the way Dr. Hatrack and his terrifically trained staff do. I've seen others. No one delivers the results the way they do. That's why people from all over the country come to Synergy's two Georgia locations, Buckhead and Alpharetta. Dr. Hatrack has trained a team of chiropractors in his proprietary technique that has been proven to yield life-changing outcomes from professional athletes to the Joe Schmoes of the world like, well, me. Check out the website to set up an appointment today, SynergyReleaseSports.com. That's Synergy with an S, ReleaseSports.com. You can also find a link for them on our website, JCAndMorgan.com. Let the incredible staff at Synergy take care of you so you can reach your wellness goals. It's time for the top topics in the sport. We bring the JC5. Number one. Number one. Number one. Number one. All right. Uh, repeat. <laughs> Why don't we just have the, the uh, announcer guy just say that for the entire length our, of the segment? Our, our DJ, man. It's uh, you got the you got the, the record skip in there. That's uh, that's Gary B on the ones and twos. You know, this segment number has become one. so immensely popular. We had to give it some uh, some voiceover work. So here we go. Absolutely. Number one, LSU, please fix your defense. I thought Jalen Daniels, I mean, Daniels, the quarterback for LSU, had a great year. Probably won the Heisman anyway. LSU's not LSU without playing good defense, Mike. And I don't understand why they're not that good. Maybe they lost some guys. Maybe they just didn't rebuild from last year. Brian Kelly, please fix your defense because uh, as someone that's always respected LSU, it's it's just kind of tough to see them against an A&M team that really – yeah, probably just didn't even want to be there, you know, get, just run over them and, and almost win the game uh, because you can't stop anybody. It almost seems like there's a, there was a little bit of residue of the lack of discipline from the coach. Hold your own. Coach O. Oh, I'll tell you what, uh, I just let my boys go out there and play. Um, I, 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 you can't tell me that there's not athletes. Um Seven months ago, I was in Baton Rouge calling the spring game for LSU. I told you I thought LSU was going to win the West, beat Alabama, and Jaden Daniels would be the top Heisman candidate out of the SEC. I was right on the last point, and I was wrong on everything else. And the reason I was wrong on everything else is because I, in a million years, never thought the defense would be that bad for LSU. You're right. There is no excuse for it. I do think this will be an outlier. You can't convince me they're they're not going to come go back to having dominating defenses with NFL players all over the field like they normally have. So the offense lived up to the hype and then some. The defense did not. 
and that's something that I'm sure will be repaired. In terms of the Heisman, again, as someone who's been pumping up Jaden Daniels uh, uh, since April, and then in week one, and then in week five, and then in week eight, now everybody is on on board. I don't think it's as a Heisman voter. I will say this: I'm not going to tell you. I mean, I don't make up my decision until after the games have been played. There are some people, again, already politicking for this, um, which is. I don't mean to make it sound more dramatic than it is, but it is irresponsible. Bo Nix does have a big game on a, on a huge stage on Friday night against Washington, that if they win, Oregon will likely be in a college football playoff. He's thrown two picks all year. He's going to throw for over 4,000 yards. He's a hell of a talent. So I don't think it's a slam dunk that Jaden Daniels wins it just because a lot of people are now saying that. Um, there's There's too many, like... So many people, I think in general, as I watch the people brainwashed on college campuses across this country right now, that just are so easily influenced by what they hear and not what they see and examine and look at for themselves. Don't just go with Jaden Daniels because you heard somebody say it on some platform. Let it play out. Jaden is certainly going to be in New York, and right now I would say he's the number one candidate, but... He's not going to be playing on Saturday, and some other folks will. So we'll see how it turns out. I think, I think if Bo goes off, you got the potential to have a really close race. Whereas last year, it it didn't turn out that way. It was almost like, okay, I don't want it. I don't want it. I don't want it. Okay, Kale Williams for a mediocre Southern Cal team. You take it. Um, it'll be an interesting final final few days leading up to it. What a story Bo Nix is going to be. I remember his first game, Mike. It was for Auburn as a true freshman. He led them back from 19-3 to three down to beat, drumroll, Oregon. That's right. That's right. Hmm. Now, all, to, to, be, uh, to tell the whole story, Auburn fans were merciless on Bo Nix whenever they lost a game. Somehow it was always Bo Nix's fault, but that's the nature of being the quarterback. You're just you're going to take the brunt of it. And he's a better player now than he was then. But Bo Nix back then, playing for some by Auburn standards, not the most talented Auburn teams, uh, he still played some good football, but but took quite frankly a lot of crap <laughs> on the planes. And now he's got a chance to play for a national championship again if they can beat Washington. Yeah, those are Auburn teams he played. They they played against some really good defenses too. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not sure that Oregon isn't much the class of that league defensively. All right, number two. Number two, Jonathan Smith, Michigan State. Okay, I think this is a great hire for Michigan State. I think he's a do more with less guy, as he's proven at his alma mater. My big problem with it is Michigan State worth turning your back on your alma mater in in their time of need. When you're you're making millions of dollars anyway, I mean, I understand the money's going to be much better at Michigan State. Was this – I mean, everybody's got to make a decision for themselves. I'm certainly not going to fault anybody for making a living. But this just didn't sit well with me, Mike. I didn't – you know, I, I thought abandoning them right now for the Michigan freaking state job, I, I just didn't – I wasn't a fan of them. Well, I understand where you're coming from. Um and let's think of some history on this, the the giving the Heisman to your alma mater. Uh, 2007 ish, my date, my years are off here. 
remember Les Miles, the talk was he was going to leave LSU to go to his alma mater, Michigan, for the Michigan job. Remember that? Uh, he wound up not doing it, but he certainly looked into it. Rich Rodriguez did leave his alma mater, West Virginia, for the alma mater job. So in the case of Rich Rod, it, it didn't exactly work out real well. And then Les Miles, who could have had the Michigan job, well, he wound up getting fired at LSU a few years later anyway. My point is is that your alma mater is a place where you go to get a degree uh, and and prepare yourself for your professional life, and that's where the loyalty ends for, for most people. I, I don't blame anybody, uh, including a coach, where clearly the alma mater is a more emotional, more visceral connection than just your average student body person that – you know, got their economics degree there. Mm-hmm. Uh, if Oregon, st- if the PAC, if you want to be angry at somebody, JC, and I get it, and I'm sure a lot of that fan base is angry right now, uh, be angry at George, George Klyovkov. Be angry at Larry Scott. <laughs> be, be angry at the people that took a once proud PAC 12 conference and obliterated it with one bad, ignorant decision after another to where Oregon State is now jingling changing a cup trying to figure out what is their future going to be and that is a gamble that if you're a hot coach you just can't afford to take so is michigan state a better job or a sexier job or you know i don't know um you certainly don't have a a huge act to fall in mel tucker but i i do think because of the, the the just complete flimsy ground that you're standing on in Corvallis right now mm-hmm. that I understand the move to take another job. Great hire, by the way. Yeah, I know. That's exactly the kind of guy they needed to hire. And uh, look, God, but shoot, he's the only coach to win there since Erickson, like big and consistently. Oh, he's a great coach. And We uh, talked about the, him in the offseason, remember? We the, were talking yeah, Jonathan the, Smith in July. He was the quarterback on that team that Erickson had out there that went 11-1 and and beat Notre Dame in the yeah. festival. The last with Chad Okosinko and TJ Huzmanzada. Huzmanzada, yeah. For a quarterback, serious receiver. So, I don't know. Didn't sit too well with me. Maybe I'm just being a little empathetic to Beavers fans because they've had a really, really good year, their game with Oregon notwithstanding. And just to see the coach walk out the door because of this BS. And, and then I'm just not a fan of what Michigan State's been doing at all. So, maybe my personal feelings are kind of – I, hey, the, the, you have every have right to, have, to feel that way. Yeah, it, we like, have it, to have personal feelings in the JC. <laughs> no, I like that. It's, I, I like you getting in touch with your feelings here. This is very Doctor Phyllis. This is this is healthy. This is cathartic, uh, and you're not alone. Like, there's a lot of things that, as great as college football is, there's a lot of things that are happening that I think are bad and detrimental and suck. <laughs> but it, unfortunately, everybody just has to roll with it. You know, it, 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 you just have to, it's still the best thing going and it, it's got flaws and it's got things that are not real good. And this, this would never would have happened a few years ago. Oregon state would have had the money to go ahead and pony up and keep a guy who loves that school and sweat blood and tears for Beaver nation. But in today's day and age, if you're Oregon state and Washington state, man, you are, you're without a country. It's just it's a it's a tough deal to be in. Number three. All right. I'm gonna say something about Mike Gundy because he doesn't get enough love on the show because we don't talk about him a lot. 
All he does is win. Back in the Big 12 championship game, uh, maybe it slightly surprised me, but it wouldn't shock me to see him beat Texas this weekend and win it. Uh, this guy, you know, they're never in the top 25 in recruiting. They're, they're never, you know, on everybody's radar. They have some bad moments like losing to South Alabama at home 33-7 to this year where you think he's probably lost it. And then he just turns around and hands it to that running back, and he's running for a billion yards. All hell, Mike Gundy. Uh, you know, and I think if you're just talking about coaches in the new Big 12, Mike, Gundy has to be up there with Whittingham, you know, top one or two, in my opinion. I, I mean, I'm there with you. There was a time where Mike Gundy was rumored for a big job like once every three years, right? Mm-hmm. Tennessee job among them. Um, I think I think finally people just figured out here is a guy that truly does want to stay at his alma mater. And if you just stay off his back and let him do his job, he ain't going anywhere. He's happy to go to Eskimo Joe's three nights a week. He's he's happy to enjoy all the things that Stillwater provides. Have you been to Stillwater? It's an interesting town. I can tell you what. It's I, uh, I've been, I hope to go to Oklahoma, the state, the first time for the first time next year. Really? South Carolina's at Oklahoma. I've actually okay. all my travels. I've never been to Oklahoma. Oh, you yeah, you need to go. I've I've been to Norman a few times. I've been to Stillwater uh, once or twice to do some football games, and you know it's just your typical awesome little college town there's not much to it uh and but people eat breathe and sleep the uh the cow pokes and they and they love it and it's a cool stadium it's a cool setup um and mike gundy just fits in there and as long as he keeps doing what he's doing you know the the fact that they beat oklahoma that was just like now the guy i mean he truly does he bought himself a lot of goodwill with that because that was the only knock you could find on him Right, and he doesn't beat Oklahoma enough. He doesn't win Bedlam enough. Does everything else good enough for us? Well, now he did that, and and, and probably spoiled Oklahoma's chances of of having a memorable, uh, or at least the potential to have a memorable season. So uh, I, I'm with you. I I think Gundy does great work. Uh, he he pisses off a lot of people because um, he doesn't care. He'll say whatever. Um, but he's a heck of a football coach, and that is not an easy job at all uh maybe now it becomes a little bit easier without oklahoma and texas maybe they become the beasts of the new look big 12 conference could be second big 12 championship game in three years how about the that Pucks. they went 12 and 2 two years ago and lost to baylor beat notre dame in the fiesta bowl so that's uh should be an interesting game uh, on saturday for real because they they've had texas's number they beat them last year in the regular season did not play this year all right number Number four. Sorry about that. Okay, we're rolling into championship weekend, Mike. The year is 2020, and I I would say we're doing the podcast uh, talking about how there's only going to be 10,000 people at these games and how much that sucks. But I I give you a prophecy. I'll be Mike, in 2023, we're going to roll into championship weekend, and UNLV, New Mexico State, and Tulane are all going to be playing for conference titles. Would you say how crazy would have sounded? insane and again having been to las cruces not to offend at all the fine people of las cruces new mexico how anybody can win there i have no idea but they have done it. it's not just the win over auburn uh they've won what 10 games this year that's mm-hmm. that's a phenomenal uh coaching job i know you have uh pledged your allegiance as a uh closet you UN- well you're, you're out of the closet you're a big time unlv fan 
Uh, you love the running ribs. Running rebels. Yeah, man. They're so, playing at uh, home for the Mount. Somehow the computer decided that was the matchup for the Mountain West. By the way, <laughs> uh, UNLV at home against seven and five Boise State. Uh, by the way, uh, since you mentioned Tulane, am I missing some? I know he's not the youngest guy. What is Fritz like? 60? 61, um, 62. Am I missing something? Like, why would you not hire this guy? Why? Why is he not getting courted? Look at what he has done at Tulane. Honestly, Houston, like the he's the hot name for them on like the initial list I've seen for that job. Okay, but well, that would, yeah. I mean, so, it's hard to ar- argue the, about Missouri if, a few years ago hiring Drinkwitz, but you know Fritz was kind of the guy they were kicking the tires on at Missouri. Okay, after Barry Odom got fired. Yeah. So I I mean Tulane is not an easy job. It's just not, and he's done no. a remarkable remarkable <laughs> yeah. job. I'll, I'll we'll talk more about Mac- these matchups later in the week because um, there's sure. there's a couple of um, I mean the, all the point spreads with the exception of Auburn excuse me Auburn sorry more Eagle Alabama Georgia which I think is five and a half Alabama everything else uh, Georgia everything else is pretty lopsided I'm sorry you were going to say something before that oh no I was more about Tulane I mean I always tell people i mean it is a it is a tough job i mean mac brown was there one year took him to a bowl bolted Sean. right back and went to uh north carolina he got north carolina the first time tommy bowden was there two years and he went 19 and four with rich rod as his oc and got sean Clemson. king at quarterback sean king at quarterback and then they just they had some success under curtis johnson getting to six and five seven and five like that but man fritz is winning big i mean among the more embarrassing things Lincoln Riley's done at Southern Cal is lose to Tulane in the Cotton Bowl last year. Yeah. Because <laughs> his defense couldn't stop him. That's right. Uh, you know, they're actually legit good. And, yeah, somebody should hire that guy and get the most they can out of Willie Fritz before it's too late. Uh, I, I I think it's, it's almost criminal that he hasn't had better opportunities. I mean, who cares? Age is just a number. I mean, if, if we haven't learned that, just look at what's going on in the world. I mean, there are some people that uh, can't function at one age, and other people that could, you know, run a marathon at the same age. It's just, it's just, it's a number. And by the and, and who hires a coach for a twenty-year plan nowadays anyway? Nobody's staying in. No. You're either getting fired or you're leaving for another job. So That's you might as about, well get five good years out of these guys. About Mark Stoops, he's been, this is year. This was year eleven for him. Yeah. At Kentucky, so I don't know. But, uh, no, Joe Morrison was at New Mexico, not New Mexico State, J.D. is. And I'm sorry, I need to correct this because sometimes if I don't, I won't be able to sleep tonight. <laughs> Mac Brown was at Tulane three years, not one. He, But he had, the minute he got them to a bowl, he was out at 5,000 and, and took the North Carolina job. Yeah. So, so my bad on that, uh, All you for all you – all you Green green Wave fans. We're, we're huge in the Green Wave community. I don't think there's any, uh, any doubt about that. All right, uh – Number uh, five. Thank you. All right, just real quick, Rick Stockstill. You know him, Mike, for working with him at South Carolina. Uh, is at Clemson for years, East Carolina. Um, took the Middle Tennessee State job after Spurrier's first year at South Carolina. So it's been this long. 05, won 113 games there. Just even last year, they went to Miami and won by, what, 24 points. Uh, that's not an easy job. They're not smack dab in the middle of talent heaven, although the high school football around Nashville is pretty good. You have to go find players. 
I think the transfer portal makes a job like that even tough. They have surprisingly good fan support up there because it's a big school. It's a commuter school, but it's a big school. Um, you know, he probably was there a couple of years too long. I mean, 18 years is a long time. Sometimes you just won't. I mean, they were four and eight this season. Sometimes it's like, well, it's just time to roll. But I uh, wanted to give a shout out to him. He's a good guy. Uh, one of the good guys in the sport, um, obviously, uh, the state of South Carolina has always appreciated him, and I'm sure everybody at Middle Tennessee see Will as well in time. Curious to see who ends up with that gig because um, it's uh, with the portal now, it's it's a tougher job because you're going to lose players uh, inevitably. But uh, certainly um, wanted to give a shout-out to him. Uh, you know, after all that time up at Middle uh, and winning like – How many years? Did, I guess it's about 17 or 18. 06 wow. was his first year. So Man, he has 18 years. His son played there and was a great quarterback, Brent. He was. I had his know. son in a game. He, yeah, he was one I of the mean, best quarterbacks in the league that year. He wasn't, you know, that was not a nepotism play. His son was a baller. Mm-hmm. Um, Very good. Very good. And they, they've had a few players, uh, I want to say Rich James, a wide mm-hmm. receiver who made it to the NFL as a return guy. Uh, Murfreesboro's a, a nice college town, not too far from Nashville. That's your selling point in recruiting. You know, if you're a college kid and you're you're a player there, you can get in your car and be in the Music City uh, without all the traffic of actually living there. So <laughs> I don't know, I man. Think, Murfreesboro I traffic's pretty pretty bad. Is it Murfreesboro? Is oh, I've God, only been there like, once. It's like Marietta. I mean, yeah. If you think about Marietta, wow. Think about okay, Murfreesboro. I did yeah. not. I it, it's a blur. It is, but no, I mean, yeah, it's, it's a nice place. You're near Nashville. Their stadium is actually, I think it's about a 30,000-seat stadium. Oh, they yeah. Got a, no, they've got, a big they've got facilities. They've got fans, you know. So. Yeah. No, but that's that's not a bad job at all. Um, yeah. And Massaro's still the AD there, right? So Massaro hired so. him and, and fired him. Uh, yeah. It's, it's it's rare to have an AD and, and football coach both be at the same school yeah, for 17, 18 years, that's almost unheard of. Uh, yeah, because your friend Jerry Myers in baseball that used to be at South Carolina is now the permanent head baseball coach there. He's the, he's the baseball coach. And, of course, uh, mm-hmm. uh, Kermit Davis had a great run with the basketball program. In basketball pull, before he got Pulled off the big upset uh, against Michigan State. Then he took the Ole Miss job. And then he got fired at Ole Miss. Yeah, Woo! I mean, middle, middle's got potential. I mean, I, I think it's probably just one of those things where it's time and it was time and but, you know, 18 years is a long, long time. And when, yeah. when Stock still got that job, man, I didn't I, – I, I never thought he'd be there that long. I thought I thought he'd probably win and get another gig, but it just never kind of happened. And he uh, – man, it's almost two decades in Middle Tennessee. That's so, crazy. Man, I remember the day he got the job, too. So, crazy. Uh, we'll take a quick break. Um, we'll, we'll go around the SEC. And, JC, I want to ask you a question uh, that you're – more qualified than 99% of the people that are in this industry uh, to answer. And I think just about everybody listening who's a fan of a college football team will want to know that answer. Uh, I do want to remind everybody that uh, J.C. Morgan brought to you in part by Jeremy Johnson and Elite Roofing. Those of you in the state of Georgia, South Carolina, Florida, Tennessee, uh, Jeremy Johnson and Elite Roofing have you covered. I've been doing business with them for well, gosh, nearly 20 years. A couple times I've had to get a, a new roof at different uh, spots that I've been in, and they've been in business for more than 25 years. They also do a great job with home repairs, something else that I've called upon Elite Roofing and Restoration to take care of. Uh, I'm going to give you the email because it's a different phone number and a website depending on where you are. 
elite roofing and restoration at gmail.com. Uh, if you're in Atlanta or if you're in Georgia, it's EliteRoofingGA.com. If you're in South Carolina, it's EliteRoofingSC.com. You get the idea. Uh, but for all of them, it's EliteRoofingAndRestoration at gmail.com. Free estimates on everything I just talked about. No way you're going to get better service. And a company that knows how to work with those insurance companies, let's, let's face it, they can be stingy and sometimes even fraudulent. Believe me, I speak from experience, sadly. That's uh, Elite Roofing and Restoration. Jeremy Johnson and company have you covered. Make sure you check them out today. For those watching us on YouTube and Facebook and Twitter, you can see their number at the bottom of our screen. Quick timeout, final segment coming up. It's JC and Morgan. Chicken cock originated in Kentucky, like so many other bourbons. And so the resurrection of it, you know, Paris, Kentucky, that's the county seat of Bourbon County. So much of this whiskey was being made in that Bourbon County, put on ships and barges and shipped down in Ohio, down the Mississippi, and got to New Orleans where it got distributed all over the world. And people kept saying, well, hey, I want some more of that whiskey from Bourbon County. And so that's how Bourbon Whiskey uh, got its name. And Chicken Cock originated actually in Paris, Kentucky, which is today Bourbon County. Hey, this is Mike Morgan, and like many of you, I love staying active. It makes me feel better. It helps me enjoy a better life. But whether you're a world-class athlete or someone just keeping the dream alive like me, you'll want to make sure you have someone who can handle the injuries that are going to arise. That's where the world-renowned Dr. Michael Hatrack of Synergy Sports Wellness and Synergy Release Sports come into play. He's been my guy for nearly a decade, and he has served thousands of people, including over 400 NFL players, over a career that spans 47 years. Yeah, he's that good. And his staff's personalized biomechanical treatments and therapies can handle it all. Back pain, knee pain, shoulder pain. We all know the injuries, but few know the solutions the way Dr. Hatrack and his terrifically trained staff do. I've seen others. No one delivers the results the way they do. That's why people from all over the country come to Synergy's two Georgia locations, Buckhead and Alpharetta. Dr. Hatrack has trained a team of chiropractors in his proprietary technique that has been proven to yield life-changing outcomes from professional athletes to the Joe Schmoes of the world like, well, me. Check out the website to set up an appointment today, SynergyReleaseSports.com. That's Synergy with an S, ReleaseSports.com. You can also find a link for them on our website, JCandMorgan.com. Let the incredible staff at Synergy take care of you so you can reach your wellness goals. Let's get in the RV and take a drive around the SEC. All right. While we do that, JC, I tease this, and this actually is relevant. And this is Will Rogers is now in the portal. The Baylor quarterback who has started the last two years is in the portal. We got people on Chat Road talking about the K State quarterback and starting quarterback and running back are in the portal. Uh, so this does relate to the SEC and everybody else for that matter. We are what seven days away, give or take, from the portal period, if you will. What should people know about the portal that they they otherwise would not? You you have to cover this for your other job. Uh, you know it as well as anybody. I mean, what are some of the the key things as it pertains to the transfer portal? How it's completely changed college football? I mean, this is truly free agency at this point, right? Yeah, in a lot of ways. Um, look, it's uh, the the portal opens. It doesn't open officially until next week. Uh, after championship Saturday. Uh, so anybody talking about 
going into the portal is basically declaring that they are going to go into the portal because they're not in the portal yet because it's not open. <laughs> they're like those people that line up for Black Friday to buy the TVs. <laughs> so, so Xbox. Uh, K-State's quarterback, uh, Will Howard, is, is right there in line for that Xbox. Right. <laughs> so anyway, uh, so that's when it opens. It closes a little earlier this year, January 3rd. Uh, there's some exceptions for the teams that are in the national championship game, I think. Um, so it's a little less than a month this period's going on. And, yeah. Now, I mean, can you even describe the chaos that this is right now? I, I know a lot of these kids have already made behind the scenes, call it tampering, call it what you will. A lot of these coaches already know they're getting a kid who has not declared, but they know they're getting him in the portal, right? I mean, a lot of these things are done ahead of time. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, it's, it happens. I mean, and I saw a lot of Ivy leaguers jump in and, and I won't, before people freak out about that, that, you know, don't like the portal, keep it. Uh, the, most of those guys are actually, it's a good story because the Ivy league does not allow you to take a fifth year. There's no red shirting in the Ivy league. So a lot of these guys from the Ivy league that are the, the best players there, they're not quite ready to go to the NFL, but they're damn good players you know, they're going to move on and get the chance to play big-time football and have a degree from an Ivy League school. So uh, nobody should get weird about that. Like, oh, why is this kid walking away from an education or whatever at Penn? They're not. That's a different situation. And there was a bunch of them that jumped in today. And, and quite frankly, some guys that have 20 offers right now so, so far out of the Ivy League. So that's a little different, um, you know, the quarterback situations at, at, at every school, it's almost now, Mike, where half of college football is starting some sort of transfer quarterback. Yeah. Believe it or not. Uh, you know, and it's going to be interesting to see, like, well, where does Will Rogers land? Like, I heard through the grapevine he sort of wants to go play in an offense that's a little more – that will prepare him more for the NFL. So, so could he maybe be the next quarterback at Michigan? If he stays in the Something SEC, like he will obliterate every record known to mankind. He, the only reason yeah. he didn't already is because he got hurt. Well, uh, he got, I don't maybe, know maybe, if that's important maybe, to him. Maybe he goes to Kentucky and plays for BMC. <clears throat> that's I been, I can, yeah, that's been rumored in Lexington. I can tell you that. Yes. Yeah, I mean, so it's a uh, the quarterbacks always are going to be interesting, and it was getting to be that way even before the portal. When you look at things like Lincoln Riley and his like three straight transfer quarterbacks, two of them won a Heisman. Uh, out there at Oklahoma, um, you know, it was kind of starting to trend that way anyway, you know, because of waivers and such. Um, so you look at that, um, you know, I, I think if you're following a certain team, uh, don't get too high, don't get too low. Uh, really dig in. If uh, And there'll be players that leave that you like and you liked out of recruiting that were highly rated that maybe haven't done much. Or, or, or maybe they have done a little bit, and, and you're, you're looking forward to seeing them progress next year, and, and then they don't, they leave. Uh, and then, you know, the players they bring in too. I will tell every fan out there, it has been. We, we're now on like year three of the portal. It's a proven fact now that half of the good players teams get out of the portal these days were not highly rated. <laughs> they maybe were not at great schools. A lot of them come from lower levels. And if you look at the NFL draft and kind of how that lays out every year, Mike, that makes sense. Because not everybody comes from Alabama and Ohio State and all that. Alabama's third teamer that's a senior that sat on the bench and played special teams the whole year, he's not getting drafted. 
you know, it's the guys that play and all that. So don't don't get down on your school if you lose a kid that was a five star that really hadn't done much, but then you get this guy from Holy Cross or somewhere that's just a complete freak. Uh, he'll he's going to help you win more than that other guy. Uh, so so those are, those are my little uh, pieces of nuggets of advice for fans as we follow this. Uh, craziness in the transfer portal this year. I, I mean, in a lot of ways, the the excitement of the portal, I don't want to say it it trumps the recruiting signing period, but I mean, the, the, the difference is you're getting proven commodities as compared to, you know, five-star recruits. And again, unless you're Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, most of the fan bases out there listening right now, they're not getting a bunch of five-star recruits. So, they're more familiar with the the guy they read about in the portal, perhaps, than they are the three-star kid that's coming out of high school. And I'm just sitting here and I'm looking at the SEC leaders. And, of course, you know, at, at quarterback, Dart, Portal, uh, top five in passing yards. Spencer Rattler, Portal. <clears throat> uh, Jaden Daniels, could portal. win a Heisman Trophy, Portal. Uh, you play to transfer from Herman Edwards. Um <laughs> Rushing yards. The guy who's going to lead. I think this is one of the best stories in college football. Forget about the SEC. Cody Schrader of Missouri is going to blast everybody in in the rushing crown. Uh, He's a Division II transfer. Division II transfer from, what do we say, Truman State. Walk on Division II transfer. Yeah, so I guess. I guess. do you even have to go in the portal if you're that, or he just? Yeah, yeah, I think you still got to get. Still got to fill out some portal paperwork. He, he got a scholarship after last year. He was really good. Split time, and then I always thought he's better than the the guy. They got another kid they got from Stanford that was okay, but I always thought Schrader was better. Yeah, he's just gotten better and better and better and better. Ricky Pearsall, he's a stud. the kid can play in the NFL. He can play in the NFL. He is a stud. Like I keep, I kept looking at him, and I'm like, nah, he can't be that good. And then I watch him, and it's just nobody can. He he doesn't go down easily. He's faster than you think. He's kind of got like a bowling ball build. Uh, he's good. He's just really good. He's just really damn good. Um, hey, congratulations to Georgia. They beat Georgia Tech. They were without four offensive starters in that game, including Brock Bowers. That's twenty nine in a row. Twenty nine that surpasses. Alabama did it twice, although one of those was vacated, the old uh, Antonio Langham situation. But the first one that still holds up was 28. The Bears, 78 to 80. They lost in Starkville by a score of 6 to 3. And uh, somewhere, Bear Bryant's going into that, the, the virtual Bear Bryant, going into that locker room and congratulating Georgia. I want to congratulate you, boy. You like to do impersonations, JC. I don't bring them out often, but this is what I – if Bear was alive today, I think he would have been there in the front row with a with a, a press pass, and he would have gone in there and said, you boys, uh, you really did some fine things today. And I remember when we did 28, and I thought that was great. We took it one game at a time. You've taken it one game at a time. For 29 times. I only did it for 28. And I want to congratulate you now. Here's some Golden Flake Chips. The Golden Flake Chips was a coach's show reference uh, back in the day. You remember those? They actually oh, yeah. would sit there with a bag Golden of Flake. Golden Flake Chips. <clears throat> that, that impersonation would have been better an hour and a half ago when I still had my voice. Um, 29 in a row, though. That is, I'm here to tell you, you might not see that again. 
Uh, Georgia's boring. What they do is win. But 29 in the SEC, especially now with Oklahoma and Texas coming, I honestly don't think we're going to see this again in our lifetime. I really don't. So kudos to the Bulldogs. Uh, They'll likely be the number one seed in the playoff. We'll get more into that in our next episode, but I will go over this real quick before we sign off. The um, bowl projections for SEC teams. The SEC will get nine. By the way, the ACC more than any other conference with 11. And the ACC also, this is for you, Danny Cannell, so you don't troll. The ACC did go 6-4 and four against the SEC. Now, does anybody on the planet believe the ACC is a better league than the SEC this year? No. I don't think so. But, uh, look, I'll give credit where credit is due. The ACC is 6-4 versus the SEC. And for that matter, the biggest wins for the SEC at a conference is probably Kentucky and Louisville. What else do you have? Ole Miss over Tulane? Mississippi State over Arizona? Yeah, you know, you're kind of right, Mike. I mean, I started thinking about that the other day. I'm like, where are the big wins? LSU lost Florida State. Mm. Florida was up twelve nothing on Florida State, and then started I, I tell you, spitting on that, people. And that probably doesn't get penalties. enough. Doesn't get enough credit now. Uh, in week two, Mississippi State beat Arizona. I, I mentioned that, yeah. Oh, Mi- oh Miss- sorry. See? Yeah. So insignificant, I'm like, oh, well. It's so insignificant, you didn't even hear it. Mississippi State over Arizona and Ole Miss over Tulane looks looks better than ever. But I would say Kentucky's win on Saturday at Louisville, that's the biggest out-of-conference win. Top 10 road game win. Top 10 road game. Way to go, UK. There you go. Uh, But, yeah, so and the bowl projections, again, Georgia's obviously going to be, well, they're going to be in the playoff if they beat Alabama. And if they don't, it's going to be Armageddon. Um, again, we'll talk more about that on the next podcast. Uh, Jerry Palm's got, let's see, he's got Georgia in the Sugar against Oregon. He's got Missouri in the Peach against Penn State. Bama in the Cotton against Washington. Ole Miss in the Citrus against Iowa. LSU against NC State and <clears throat> the Relia Quest. Do you want to apologize to Dave Doran? He's... He's done something good this year. Never. No, never. Okay. <laughs> I thought about you because I'm watching them blow out the Tar Heels. And he's, they're winning like nine games, and no one's talking about NC State. He's turned it around, man. He, they really they, – that hat's off. They got back to their normal eight wins. Is it eight or nine? Eight, eight, eight wins. Eight, eight wins. Days. Okay. I'm, pro- eight I'm projecting days. they're going to win their bowl game and get to nine. All right, maybe not, maybe not. Anyway. Know, man. LSU will probably play good defense against them. <laughs> A&M against Wisconsin in the Music City. Uh, that obviously will be with an interim coach. Tennessee against the Tar Heels and the Gators in the, in the Gator Bowl. Kentucky against Kansas State in the Texas. Auburn versus Duke in the Disgusting Condiment Bowl in Charlotte. And that is your... Or drive around the Southeastern Conference. That'll bet. Well, just that was beautiful. For us. Yeah, that we was went good. long today. We had a lot to say. There's a lot going on. There's a lot going on. So that's good. But we're glad to be back later this week, hopefully. And uh, yes, rocking and rolling, man. And by then, we'll have the answers to some uh, new coaching jobs. We'll uh, talk a little bit more about the upcoming games on Championship Saturday, and talk about the uh, potential scenarios 
for the college football playoff. Thanks to Mad Dog Phil Molinax, as always. Thanks to you folks out there tuning us in live and all you listening to us at some point throughout the week on the various platforms that we are on, which is all of them. Uh, We'll also get to the mailbag. Got some really good emails. jcandmorgan.com is where you can email us. We'll get to those uh, later on this week. For JC, Mike saying so long. See you next time on JC and Morgan.